Would you pray with me? Give us the joy this morning, Lord, of liberation, of freedom from sin, of the joy of your presence, of the rough places being made plain and the crooked straight. Lord, we ask you to do that through your word this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning we will explore the life and ministry of John the Baptist. John was a man of thresholds. Thresholds is a word I think of. Uh, I'd like to start off this morning. Thresholds are amazing things, if you think about it. Thresholds are mysterious, full of potential, tinged with risk and maybe a little fear, and always very dramatic. Think of uh, the wardrobe of C.S. Lewis's Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. The threshold between one world and the next, and an amazing threshold at that. Or think of the edge of the Shire, for you who like Lord of the Rings. That moment when Frodo and Bilbo step out where they'd never stepped before onto a new adventure. Think of what happens when people get married and the classic picture of the groom carrying his wife, his new wife, across the threshold of their new house. These are momentous experiences. And if you think about the thresholds you've crossed in your life, you'll find, I think, that same feeling coming up. I remember when I was a kid uh, and my grandparents lived in Chicago, we would go and visit them there. And to me, the, the, the best day of the year always was Christmas Eve, which in Scandinavian households is, the, is a really special time. And we would go to my, grandf- my, my grandma and grandpa's house at, in their little two-flat in Chicago in the neighborhood where my dad grew up. And I still remember the feeling of, of anticipation of that day and, and, uh, and the excitement of it and the drive into the city and the parking of the car and the walking up the stairs and that moment where you crossed from that life into the home of my grandparents. The door would open and the smells of the, of the food and the, the laughter of my extended family and you were crossing. It was a crossing. There are many thresholds that we cross in life entering one place and into the next. And I find often that the thresholds we're crossing from one place into the next are big places, large places, magical places, places where things happen of power and and of importance. John was a man of thresholds. John was standing at the end of an era of the prophets and welcoming in the era of the reign of the Messiah. And he stood there in his ministry powerfully to to guide that transition at the threshold and to ask everyone that he saw to enter into that threshold with him. There was a before and an after, and John was sent to spend his whole life at that threshold, allowing the passing away of one thing and the birth of another. Here's how the author of Hebrews puts it in the first verse of that letter. 
Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by the Son. And John sits right at that threshold of one age moving into another. John knew what it was like to stand on that threshold with determination. And his life and ministry were shaped by it. It's the ministry of the threshold that John gives to us. It's the ministry of calling people to cross that threshold. That's the ministry of repentance. That's the ministry of baptism. The ministry of baptism is a ministry of the threshold. It's the threshold of death to life, of burial to resurrection, of old creation to new creation, of light to dark, of alienation to sonship. And John sits right at that threshold and he invites everyone that he sees into repentance, which is another way of saying step across. Step across this threshold. This is a powerful ministry that John had of this thresholding ministry. There's a a way that Micah describes this, and John's ministry is alluded to in this verse of Micah 2, 13. Micah was an Old Testament prophet, and he described the ministry attributed to John the Baptist this way. He who opens the breach, a breach is a threshold. He who opens the breach goes up before, him, before them. They break through and pass the gate going out by it. The king passes on before them. The Lord is at their head. And that's what John was doing. He was standing at the breach and holding the gate open and letting the king pass through at the head of his people. It's a powerful man, John. And not a little bit tragic, too. I'll get to that in a second. Who was this guy? So um, this is a year spent in the Gospel of John. A gospel is a story. A gospel is the story of the good news of Jesus Christ. There are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So um, John is a common name, right? So John is the author of our gospel. We're not talking about that John this morning. We're talking about a guy named John the Baptist. Now, having grown up in the Baptist church, I thought it was quite natural for a very powerful figure to be called John the Baptist. Imagine my shock when it turns out he's Presbyterian or something like that. (laughs) John, the guy that baptized. This is a different John than the John who authors our gospel. Uh, All four Gospels talk about the ministry of John the Baptist, and some bring out different points of his story. Uh, There's a beautiful song that Zachariah sings. Zachariah is John's dad. Now, you may remember that when um, when the angel comes to Mary and says, you will be with child, Mary says, be it unto me according to your will. She's humble, and she trusts this extraordinary news. Mary's cousin, uh, Elizabeth, Mary's sister, Elizabeth, did I get that right? Um, is, uh, it's, it's her husband, Zachariah, who is visited by the angel. 
says, hey, you're gonna have kind of a miraculous child as well. And he, uh, he's not so sure about that. And as a result, he can't talk for a little while. It, it works out okay in the end. And uh, when he is given his speech back, he sings a glorious song, just like Mary did. And here's, here's what Zechariah sings about John the Baptist. John is going to be a sign of God's covenant faithfulness to the Jewish people. Through John, mercy will be promised and a remembering of a covenant. John will be a prophet of the Most High, preparing the way of the Lord. John will give knowledge of salvation and the forgiveness of sins. He will share the tender mercy of God through whom the sunrise shall visit his people. He will give light to those who sit in darkness, to those who sit in the shadow of death. John will guide their way in peace. He will be strong in spirit, and he will dwell in the wilderness. It's an amazing description of the ministry of the last and greatest prophet, John stands at the threshold of that world, that prophetic world that's now yielding its way. But here's the interesting thing about John. Matthew uh, chapter 11, verses 11 through 13 quotes Jesus this way about John. He said, truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. In some respects, John was the greatest prophet because unlike any other prophet, John stood together with the one that the prophets foretold, Jesus the Messiah. And Jesus says that in the age of the prophets, there is none greater than him. Then Jesus says, yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John but the one who is least in the kingdom will be greater than he is. How can that possibly be? Well, the difference is that because of the ministry of Jesus, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes upon us and dwells within us. That had never happened before. The new covenant, you know, the Bible's kind of divided into two covenants. There's the old covenant or the Old Testament, and there's the New Testament. You may be familiar with those terms. The Old Testament is the story of the, of the Jewish people, and the New Testament is the story of the Jewish people and the Gentiles, and how God is faithful to his promise to the Jew and to the Gentile. And it comes to us as an old covenant and a new covenant because of what the prophets foretold. Here's the way that Jeremiah, the Old Testament prophet, describes it. He talks about the new covenant this way, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. That's the new covenant. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people for they shall all know me from the least of them 
to the greatest of them, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. The law on the heart. Here's how Jesus says it in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 15 and 17. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper That's the name of the Holy Spirit, the advocate, the counselor, the helper. I will give you this helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. That's not an experience that even John the Baptist, the last of the great prophets, had ever experienced in that way. The least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. And that is why John's mission is so intense and so focused and so amazing. That's why John said in chapter 3, verse 20, he must increase and I must decrease. My era is coming to a close. My ministry is coming to an end. That which we foretold is now here. And I must stop and he must go so that he can complete the covenant promise and dwell within his people, in their hearts. Such humility that John had. Such acceptance of his mission He had so much power and such a following. They wanted to know, was he Elijah? Because there had been Old Testament prophets about Elijah coming back. And Moses talked about another prophet even greater than me who would come, a prophet like Moses. And so when John is doing his thing and the Spirit of God is resting upon him with such power and anointing, imagine what would have happened if he had not had the humility to say that my era is coming to an end. I have one mission, and that is to point to the mission of another. And because he did, the light through him was able to shine. Such humility. To stand as the greatest prophet at the very moment when that prophetic role was shifting to Jesus, the Messiah. And in this He's more like his Aunt Mary than like his father, Zechariah. The humility, the embracing of that mission. So John wants us to listen to him. John wants us to listen to him. John had one purpose, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. That was his one purpose and mission to stand at the threshold of every person's life and ask them to cross it in repentance. To cross the threshold in the wilderness, in the rough places, in the hard places, there at that point to repent and turn to Jesus and be baptized in the Holy Spirit of God. That's John's mission. He said, I am in the wilderness. I am a voice. I'm just a voice. I'm a voice of one crying in the wilderness. Make your paths straight. The threshold. 
Remember Zechariah's word about John, you will be called to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death to guide your feet into the way of peace. The desert is a metaphor, of course. It's a lonely place, but it was once lively. Are you in a desert place like that? Once a lively place? You know, a desert, you know, deserts are beautiful. That's a different issue. I love deserts. As a metaphor, a desert was once lively and is now not lively. You're in the desert and it doesn't feel like it should stay that way. That's a desert place in the biblical metaphor. It's a lively place now dead. It's a place of potential, of renewal, of rebirth, a place of threshold. And who comes to visit John in the desert? It's the people who are in need, the people who are thirsty, the people who are ready for change, the people who want to be set free. In another gospel story, it talks about the soldiers coming and the tax collectors. And those who have sin, they are satisfied in the desert place at that threshold. There are those that aren't so satisfied. These are the spies sent from the religious leaders. And they're confused and they resist. But I want to say this about John's ministry. John is not calling us to a desert place. John is not calling you to the desert. God is not calling you to the desert. He is calling you out of the desert. That's the big difference here. John was in the desert in order to call people out from it. The will of God is to relieve us from the pressure and oppression of our sin. It's to set us free from the thing that holds us back. Those who crossed that threshold were not in the desert anymore. Isn't that a glorious thing? The ministry of repentance is to set us free in that very place. Friends, we're in the desert now. God wants to say, come out of the desert. Cross the threshold. The light has come right in the desert place, right where the mountain seems too high to climb and the rock seems too heavy to move and the path seems too crooked to follow. That's Isaiah 40 where he says, God has come to make that mountain come down. He's come to move that rock out of the place and to make your pathway straight. That's coming out of the desert. There's a road that starts right here that God wants you to be on, which is out. And John says, I will stand here in this desert place with everyone who comes and I will offer them the same promise that if you embrace faith in Jesus Christ, your day of liberation has come right now. God's not calling you to the desert. He's calling you out from it. Oh, and those tragic Pharisees who resisted, they couldn't figure out what on earth was going on. Who are you? What are you here to do? Why are you doing what you're doing? There was no interest in crossing the threshold. They say, you know what, thanks, but no thanks. We're very happy here the way that we are. We're going to stay in this desert place. It's better here. 
What a tragedy. Thank God, uh, it says in the book of Acts, there were many Pharisees who believed. They too were set free. And it doesn't require anything other than belief that Jesus is who he says he is. Here's what they rejected. They rejected the gift of Jesus Christ. Here, here's... Um, um, here's what it's like to be set free. It's to be forgiven and cleansed of your sin. That's the baptismal experience. It's, here's what John says in one of his letters. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's like water flowing in the desert. We have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. John says, I baptize you with water, but there's one coming who's so much greater than I am, and he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Do you know the Holy Spirit baptism is meant to be experienced? Oh, we're baptized in the Spirit when we're saved because that's how we're saved. <laughs> but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is something that we can actually experience the Apostle Paul says, I want you to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. The love of God, he says, is shed abroad in our heart. The Spirit cries in our spirit that we are the sons of God. Have you had that experience? Have you experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit? It's part of your gift to experience the love of Christ. Here's what Jesus says in one of his prayers for believers in John chapter 17. He's praying to God on our behalf. It's a beautiful thing to read. Jesus says to the Father, I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Jesus in you, the hope of glory. Paul says, do you not want that instead of the desert place? Are you hungry for real food? Are you thirsty for water? Are you tired of your sin? So this morning, I just want us to respond to John's ministry, making those rough places plain, of standing at that threshold of repentance and asking everyone to experience the joy of crossing it, to come into that amazing new, renewed world, John wants you to believe. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him at every point where there is threshold of doubt over which he must cross, at every stone, at every hill. John the Baptist wants you to know Christ as your Lord and your King, as your Savior and your, your friend, as your comforter, your healer, your deliverer. I'd like to close with Isaiah chapter 40, the chapter that John refers to in his mission of preparation 
says this, have you not known, or let me start here. This is a word for any one of us here who feel like, well, we, we are on that way, that crooked way, that way with mountains and obstacles. And you might be one of those people that doesn't exactly know how to get unstuck. Well, Isaiah's prophecy speaks to you directly. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? And we feel that sometimes, that this is sometimes for other people. You may feel that your way is hidden from the Lord and my right is disregarded by my God. But have you not known and have you not heard the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I want us to respond to John's call to repentance this morning. I want us to pray a prayer that many of you will probably have prayed many times and may know already. In the Baptist church, we call it the sinner's prayer. It's the first praise first prayer that some Baptists will have ever prayed, apart from grace. People in the Eastern tradition will know it as the Jesus prayer. It's very simple. You can pray it every day of your life if you want. You pray, I invite Jesus into my heart. That's where he belongs. It's where he wants to be. It's where he dwells. I invite you, Jesus, into my heart. I repent of my sin. I ask you, Jesus, to be my Savior and my Lord, my friend, my guide. Baptize me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with the knowledge of your love. Guide my feet in the way of peace. Amen.